Greetings, friend. Welcome back to the Wayfarer Podcast. I'm Tom Vanderwill. Thanks so much for joining me once again this morning on this chapter of the journey, which finds us in Psalm 100. And do you know what that means? It means we're just two-thirds of the way through the entire book of Psalms. We've got one-third to go. Uh, There's a lot of chapters. I spotlighted the first verse of this very short chapter this morning. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Today's podcast is entitled, A Time to Shout. I have shared over the years that one of the things Wendy and I enjoy doing is being sports fans. Now, we're not rabid, win-at-all-cost, because your lives are ruled by it fans, which is a good thing since most of the teams we cheer for have long histories of being underdogs and perennial losers. We just enjoy choosing a team, following the team and the players, rooting for them through the season, generally being loyal fans of different sports teams. January in Iowa has typically been made even more bleak for Wendy and me because of the lack of sports that we enjoy. Our Viking season generally ends early in disappointing fashion, as it did again this year. Spring training for the Cubs is still weeks away. Our son-in-law, Clayton, influenced Wendy and me to find an English Premier League team to cheer for in order to kind of bridge the gap between the two seasons. And it just so happens that his team and our team have a big match this weekend. So we're already planning our watch party. It's going to be something fun in the midst of quarantine to have a little, little rivalry. Today's chapter, Psalm 100, is the final in a series of 10 ancient Hebrew songs of praise. And this little ditty is only five verses long. It begins by calling the worshiper to shout with joy to the Lord. Throughout my spiritual journey, I have heard teachers challenge congregations with the fact that we cheer more for our sports teams than we do for God. This, in the institutional and denominational churches I've attended through my journey, is very true. When Christianity became the official religion of Rome back about 300 AD, the Jesus movement became a political empire that was seriously more interested in controlling the masses than it was in sincere worship. The Holy Roman Empire controlled the Western world for 1,500 years, and when the Protestant Reformation came along about 1,500 AD, it led to the age of of reason, in which head knowledge of the scriptures and theology was held as utmost in importance. Thus, the Catholic Church and the vast majority of Protestant denominations were given to quiet, reverent, generally passive worship styles. And yet, Throughout the great story, the examples of worship and calls to worship I've been reading in the Psalms are active, loud, participatory, shouting, singing, dancing. I mean, David got in trouble with his wife when he was so worked up in dancing and singing to God that he peeled down like silly shirtless college boys in a December Iowa State football game. I confess that the last time Wendy and I got that excited was the Cubs winning the World Series and the Minneapolis Miracle. At the same time, the further I've gotten in my spiritual journey, the more free I've become in worshiping among my local gathering of Jesus followers. I sing loud. 
I lift my hands in prayer. Yes, I'll, I'll even shout from time to time. And what's hilarious is that this is not the worship tradition of my local gathering. I once had an elder of the church who was a pious, multi-generational loyalist of the denomination ask me quite sincerely why I raised my hands when I sang in worship. Which is kind of funny. I pointed him to a number of the places in the great story where God's people are called to lift hands in praise and prayer. It's funny to me how individuals who claim to live in devout obedience choose to ignore those things in the great story with which they are uncomfortable. I mean, have you greeted anyone with a holy kiss lately? Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. There are times for spiritual quiet for silence and reverence. Lord knows we need a lot of it right now amidst the 24-7 din of politics and pandemic conflict in the news and on social media. The sage who wrote Ecclesiastes would tell us that there is a time for quiet reverence, and then there's a time to shout, dance, blow the roof off. And I get that there are individuals who will forever be hands in your pockets, mouth shut, type of worshipers. And that's cool too, whatever. It's just that Wendy and I have noticed as we worship that there's almost a feeling like there's a spiritual lid on the room. We can often feel people just waiting for an excuse, for someone to give permission to let it out, to shout, cheer, let out some God-given human emotion. Countless times we've witnessed that when one person breaks the ice, then the praise really begins to flow. In the quiet this morning, I'm thinking about all the worship traditions that I personally experienced and enjoyed along my spiritual journey, from the silence of the Quakers to the call and response of a black Baptist congregation, from the pomp of a Roman Catholic cathedral in Ireland to the down-home fire and brimstone of a backwoods Pentecostal church in Appalachia. I find that so often people put their own spiritual experiences in the box of their traditions. And along the way, I found that it's not a right or wrong, either or thing. Once again, it's a yes and. I can learn from experiencing and participating in diverse styles of worship. I take things that are meaningful for me and find ways to weave them into my own spiritual expressions. And that's been good. It helped me grow. It's expanded my spiritual understanding. And I promise, my friend, that if and when I see you next, I won't greet you with a holy kiss. Have a good day, my friend. We'll be back here tomorrow.